passed upon the stair. He spoke of was and when, although I wasn't there. He said I was his friend, which gave us some surprise. I spoke into his eyes. I thought you died alone. What's up, everybody? We're here with another Obsessive Compulsive Gamer podcast. This time, we're covering the uh, very popular topic of Castlevania, a uh, video game based on the basically the story of Dracula and a vampire hunter out to get him, uh, the family of Belmonts being the ones cursed with having to take care of Dracula every time he comes back. And uh, originally, um, the game was set up more so like a... Uh, uh, a movie even when the credits rolled they treated the cast of characters in the game as actors so it was more an ode to those old uh, you know universal horror films from the 30s like dracula and frankenstein and the mummy so um but regardless it has grown into a very vast popular and uh detailed universe with uh, a huge cast of characters throughout the series as well as different main main villains despite dracula being the primary villain in the majority of the games so um let's go ahead and get everyone introduced here i have with me several returning folks you guys uh remember mike b from several of our previous podcasts go ahead going on i also have with me on my right over here carlos hey what's up guys and then down below me with uh, no camera unfortunately because of uh some mild internet connectivity issues we got gino returning Hey, I'm here in my sister's cabinet, so it's a pretty, it's a pretty small space. <laughs> that that explains literally. that explains the lack of camera. <laughs> and Gino has been on hiatus from the podcast for all the last time. When was the last time we had you on? Uh, Street Fighter. It was yeah. Street Fighter. Okay, so that was about what yeah. three, four episodes ago now, something yeah. like that. So. Yeah, maybe you're right. Anyway, and then uh, right next to Gino, we got Frank returning. Yo, what's up? So in this episode, Mike B and I are actually going to be the hosts. We're co-hosting today. Frank, uh, Carlos, and Gino will be our guests. They are going to be our Castlevania experts. And that's really because Mike and I don't have a very in-depth history with Castlevania. Um, Me personally, and this is going to shock many of you, that my first Castlevania game that I actually played through all the way to the end was Castlevania on the N64, which is not a very highly regarded Castlevania game. I, for one, did enjoy it, though playing it again nowadays, I can see why people do not regard it very highly. <laughs> but um, how about you, Mike? What are what are your short experiences with Castlevania? Well, but like when I first started, uh, because my first experience with it, was actually surprisingly Castlevania 64 and I had a 64 at the time I didn't know that many games to get for it so mine's not really of an amazing story or anything so I rented it and I was just terrible at it so I just didn't have a good experience on my first time with Castlevania and I was like ah 
the game didn't suck. I just sucked at it. And there was a little, I, I guess I was younger and it was like just too much for me to handle, I guess, to like get through the game. So, yeah. So that kind of like what us answering this leads into our first question for you guys, which is uh, what was your first Castlevania experience? And hopefully it was better than mine. <laughs> and we'll start off with you, Carlos. My first experience was actually uh, back in 88. I would say Castlevania Simon's Quest. Actually, it's one of the first games that introduced me to Castlevania in general. At the time, I would always be watching old horror movies like Dracula, Frankenstein, The Wolfman, all those classics with Lon Chaney. But playing Castlevania introduced, even to open up that realm to be more fascinated with the Dracula, with the underworld, you know, the, the monsters you deal with. That's one of the first games that actually introduced me to it in general. That's cool. And then Simon's Quest is the second, second game, game, right? Right, so it's the second one with Simon Belmont. It's a very, to me, that's like a special game because that was the first one I played. I mean, it, it had a lot of its moments too, but it was still pretty cool. You know, it had its timer. No, uh, yeah. Changes, but it was always cool. I enjoyed it and I do cherish that. That was the first game I was introduced to. Yeah, some of those you, earlier Castlevania games were still highly influenced by arcade style. So you had a point system and a timer. And of course, the later games changed that. Yeah. Did you enjoy that night and day system? I think that was in that one, right, too? The... Mm-hmm. No. As a kid, yeah, I enjoyed it because I didn't complain about it because <laughs> it was just programmed into it and had to deal with it, deal with its flaws and find a way to beat it. As an adult, it is a little bit uh, tedious, <laughs> especially when you get hit and you fall back. <laughs> it's kind yeah, of it's for going back and me trying older games when I tried that one, I thought that was a little tedious for it, but... Uh... Yeah, that's really cool that, that Simon's Quest was your first one. Well, just to um, add something here real quick, like, yeah. it, you know, the knockback in the game, it, it, especially with the first three, you know, I was used to playing something like Super Mario Brothers, so you could control Mario's movement through the air. But with Castlevania, you can't do that. Once you jump, you have to commit to that jump. So there's always yeah. issues where if you get knocked back, you, you can't control where you're falling. So for some people, that was yeah. part of the struggle. The many deaths of being hit and going off an edge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Gino, what was your first experience with the Castlevania series? Um, I, uh, I started to... Uh, it's funny because when you know, you're a kid, everything is colored in like floors and candy. So like it's, you know, I just remember uh, being with a bunch of my friends and uh, I, it's really funny. I have a mixed memory of like... The first time I was introduced to an NES, I swear to God, it was like... Super Mario Brothers, Excite Bike, Legend of Zelda, Kung Fu, Castlevania, Akari Warriors, and God, I don't remember something else. But all of it, like in one night, like it's the most one of the most incredible memories I I ever had. So, so yeah, I would say like the first one in like what was it, nineteen eighty? It was nineteen eighty seven. So yeah, that first Castlevania, the night of no sleep. <laughs> Well, yeah, and blow pops. Yeah. <laughs> so sleep and blow pops. Yeah. What about you, Frank? First experience. Okay. Um. So I first, I the first one I experienced was the first game. Uh, it was at a friend's house. I don't remember exactly when, but I, I've shared it before that, like, growing up, my parents did not like me playing video games, and I can't really blame them because, I mean, it was I. That's all I wanted to do. So I went over to a friend's house down the street and he had 
an NES with like a bunch of games and he popped on Castlevania and I don't even think I played it. I think I just watched him play it because I don't remember actually having, you know, the game to play until way later on. Honestly, the NES games, I don't I don't remember playing them until like even ROMs because the uh, the first proper one that I actually played, not experienced, was Super Castlevania 4. But it, I remember the first game because, you know, I was like, oh, my God, this, you know, this s- scary game, you know, you're having to kill skeletons and bats and knights and all this stuff. And uh, I, I really like the first one a lot. But with, you know, that first experience only just watching it, it wasn't as endearing to me as my first actual played game, which was Super Castlevania 4. Cool. Now, technically, Super Castlevania Four is a is a reimagining of the original Castlevania, right? Yeah, I, I think it's because they wanted to, you know, the first one was so limited, and they just wanted to use the uh, like the Mode Seven chip and mm-hmm. really expand on what show what the SNES could do. Honestly, it's kind of like a tech demo, you know, because it's just a, a remake. Now, if you watch the Castlevania perfected timeline from Gamer Thumb, he does actually make it canon as a sequel as opposed to a remake. But well, I have a question about that, the Super Castlevania, though. Does it have the exact same layout on the stage layouts for the original two? Or they kind of oh. make them? Oh, no, it- no, no. It's, it's expanded. So, okay. I mean, you can, that's why I think he has a pretty good argument as far as saying that it's a sequel. Because... Uh, the first game has seven stages, I think. Is it seven, Gino? Six or seven? I think it's seven, yeah. It's been a while since I've yeah. played it. I just played it you know, a couple nights ago and beat it for the first time. And I, I can't remember because it's just such a short game. But Yeah, it's not long. But the, uh, the layout, it pretty much deviates right away because in, in, the, first, in the first game, you start off walking into the castle, or at least the castle grounds, and in the first uh, in Super Castlevania sixty, Super Castlevania four, you're actually approaching the castle, and I think it, they, oh man, well we can get into Super Castlevania four a little bit more, but uh, the you know the first game has been remade multiple times, you know with different ports and everything, so yeah, cool, very good. All right, so then um, the next question we have in line for you guys is, what are the games in the series have you played? And uh, Gino, we'll start with you. Just, uh, you know, I know you in particular have had a lot of experience with playing multiple Castlevania games, so maybe list some of the ones that are more memorable for you. But whatever you like, what are some of the games that you've played in the series? Uh, I think I've, well, I've definitely played, like, all those original games. Not the, uh, not the MSX, like, Vampire Killer. I haven't, mm-hmm. I haven't, like, sat down to play that physically, like, you know, a physical copy of it. But, uh, yeah, it's certainly 1 through 3 and uh, 4 and 64 and, uh, you know, Symphony of the Night and, um, what was it? The PlayStation one? Is that Chronicles? Yeah, Chronicles. Yes. Chronicles. Uh, so all of those, um... And uh, a lot of the stuff that I missed was the handheld stuff, um, with the exception of, I think, maybe that first one, like Harmony of Dissonance, or, and then, uh, you know, the, the newest ones. But uh, most, I mean, you know, I would say, like, 
the first four and Castle and Symphony of the Night are, are the most memorable for me. I mean, those are just you could I could just play those for the rest of my life and be happy, you know. Now, um, you had mentioned uh, Vampire Killer for audience members who may not know Vampire Killer is a so the MSX was a computer uh, personal computer available in Japan. And Vampire Killer was basically a reimagining of the original Castlevania on that system. It was very different because it did introduce some of those aspects of um, uh, non-linear gameplay where you could make choices about where to travel. Other things is like there was a locked door at the end of the level before the boss and you had to find the key in order to unlock it. There are treasure chests and things like that. So it was very, very different, but it never officially released here in North America or even uh, Europe, right? It was just a Japanese only game. I no, think I think so. it was. Was I, it released in Europe? Uh, well, it may have been, because MSX was certainly more popular everywhere else but here. <laughs> uh, uh, but I also, don't forget uh, Dracula X. Also Dracula X, which is great. And gets kind of shuffled under the rug. Depends on which version of Dracula X we're talking about, though. Well, not uh, Rondo. Uh, the Super Nintendo. Well, Dracula X is based on that Rondo of Blood, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. It's I mean, on it's, the it's, okay. Yeah, that's right. Because okay, just making sure. Certainly inferior, but. And then uh, you had also mentioned um, Chronicles on PS One, which was originally a. Um, uh, it was released on. See, I have the notes right here. It, on, it's the a, sharp, the sharp. The sharp. Six, yeah, sixty-eight thousand. Uh, so it was originally was released there, thing. and uh, and then it got released on the PS One here. Which, but the reason I bring it up is Chronicles is yet another remake of the original Castlevania. Correct. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Now, when it released here on the PS One, it also included Rondo of Blood. Mm-mm. No. Or no, was that the PSP just... version? PSP. So the the PSP yeah. version was the Dracula X Chronicles, and it was a remake, like a proper remake of Rondo of Blood, to where it had 3D. Uh, it was uh, 2.5D, and then it also had. The original Rondo of Blood unlockable and Symphony of the Night unlockable. Okay, so it doesn't have the original Chronicles game. It's Dracula no. X Chronicles because it's a remake of Rondo of Blood. Okay. Yes, for Dracula X. Right. The Castlevania Chronicles itself was just the the remake of that, uh, of the Sharp 68. Because I don't even remember what it was called on the Sharp. I think it might just be Castlevania there as well. But it has that original version unlockable as well. Which is the harder version because the arranged mode, the remake, it's uh, instead of a knockback, you just get knocked up. <laughs> Debatable as to which one is more annoying, but <laughs> I mean, for accidental deaths because you're hit, you're not gonna you're not gonna die in the arranged mode because of that. So um, unless is, is, is it then like nine months later you realize all the regrets you've had in life? <laughs> is that so, me? <laughs> I mean, if you're going to be getting knocked up, right? Ah, oh. uh, yes. Uh, okay. Knocked up. I mean, I don't. I literally don't know what. Uh, like, you get knocked up. Like, I don't know what to tell you. I was a little uh, slow on the uptake there. I, I finally got it at the end. Well, Since I, think, I said it, I didn't catch it either. I don't, yeah, no one else caught it, and I think everyone was wondering what I was laughing at, and. Um, it was Pregnancy? it was all in my head. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I got it. <laughs> so, in, in all honesty, I for Chronicles, um, 
Well, I, I'll talk about that once we, once we get yeah, to me. Yeah, we'll get to all that. So uh, how about you, Carlos? Uh, similar with Gino, anything you want to add to what he said? So similar with Gino, but I really didn't, you know, I didn't really have the cash or funds. I was still a kid, I think. I would say the first uh, three, the Castlevania series. Then eventually I borrowed, well, actually when I started working at Walmart, when I actually got the Symphony of the Night, that's because somebody was selling it for like five bucks and then they didn't like the game. They had a hard time with it. So I bought it. Nice. Took and that that's a pretty good, good deal for you, man. Yeah. So I just enjoyed it. And those were the games that I actually were com- completed until ROMs came around, but that's a different topic. <laughs> so you haven't played any of the more recent stuff like the 3D games on N64 or PS2 or, or any mm-hmm. of the handheld 2D scrollers? No, the only ones are just those and maybe the Super NES, like I think it's the Castlevania X. So definitely the early stuff up through um, Symphony of the Night then. Yeah, I don't, I didn't, I still haven't figured out the 64 yet, but I had (laughs) access to it. Ah, don't worry about it. Trust me. You can, you can always watch videos on those. (laughs) How about you, Frank? (laughs) All right. uh, So I think next to many. I, I've played the most Castlevanias in our group. Um, I've now played the first three, thanks to, of course, ROMs, and now the, the Castlevania Anniversary Collection, uh, which I beat the first game just for the first time the other night, as I was mentioning. Um, never finished Simon's Quest. I did start a playthrough of that in anticipation for this. I'm stuck because I don't know where to go because the clues, as as Mr. Bobby has mentioned before, are so obtuse, <laughs> I think is the word you're using. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'll just have to look up a guide for that. I also started Dracula's Curse, which I've never finished before. Um, I've, of course, played uh, Super Castlevania Four. I played Dracula X, which is a, well, I like to call it a demake of Rondo of Blood because it's, it really falls short as compared to Rondo. Um, it's not a bad game. It's just compared to the original. Sure. It's just it just falls short. And honestly, they took a step back because they went with the old school controls of the NES. You know where you can only whip in one direction. You know you, you're committed to a jump and this and that. And yeah, it, it brings back that original difficulty if if you're if you like that. But you know, it still is a step back from the previous game on the same system. Well, real quick then, how would you compare that Dracula X to, say, Super Castlevania, since they're more they're on the same system? Uh, graphically, it's better. That's about it, though. I think mm. it's 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 shorter too. It's only got how many stages? I think it's got about nine with uh, the three alternate stages that it's got. Because I think it has like. That, that was one thing it did different than Super Castlevania is it had alternating paths just like the original Rondo, mm. but um, you know it's they're not, they're not really big differences. And honestly, even finishing that game is not very satisfying because when you beat the game, there are three endings depending on who you save because uh, using different paths you can uh, save either Maria, well Maria and Richter's you know lady. I forgot what her name is, or both. And literally the only thing that changes is who shows up in the, the final credits scroll. So it's very not rewarding at all. And honestly, that that's probably one of the hardest Dracula battles 
for the classic Castlevania because you're on these pillars and there's just, you know, the pits in between them. And uh, he has, of course, two forms. He has his regular form, which shoots fireballs and uh, the the big old dark matter uh, ball of lightning energist. Yeah, exactly. And then when he after that he turns into a demon and he shoots these like huge waves of energy that just you know pretty much if you if you're on a lower platform then you can avoid by ducking but if he's on one of the lower ones it's over. So sounds very fair. Yeah, it's not. I, the only way I beat that game was with save states, which honestly I, I hate to say it, but I I beat a lot of the original ones with save states because I, like I said, I didn't play them until later and I'm not going to be frustrated trying to just finish a 33 year old game. Yeah. Don't worry about it, dude. I mean, I had never, I have not beaten any of the old ones, the old fashioned way. The only one in the first two generations of Castlevania I beat was uh super Castlevania four. And that was on my three DS using save states. So don't feel bad. <laughs> Same here with the old ones, man. It's, it's gonna be a lot of time if you were to train yourself to like. It's it'll be t- too time consuming. <laughs> yeah. So since we're talking about the end of these games, how many? I'm not uh, done. I, I'm not done. I'm oh. Way more. <laughs> Sorry, my bad. It felt like it felt like an appropriate appropriate end to your conversation. <laughs> I've also played. I played the first one on Game Boy. I've played which was the Castlevania Adventure. I never played Adventure Two or Legends. I played both Castlevania 64 and Legacy of Darkness, which, of course, Legacy of Darkness is really the version they wanted to release. Um, I finished Lament of Innocence. I played Curse of Darkness, never finished it. I played, well, of course, Symphony of the Night. Can't forget that one. Uh, I played Chronicles, never finished that one. And I think the last one I played was Rondo of Blood, uh, the PS4 version. Because they released it with a double pack with Symphony of the Night and, uh, well, of course, Rondo. Yeah. Um, I did play Lords of Shadow, the first one, but not very much. But we can address that question later. Cool. And what about you, Gino and Carlos? Have you guys beat every Castle Gaming game, Castlevania game you have played, or there's some you left behind? I would say the uh, first three have managed to beat. Um, the ones that I mentioned at Symphony. The old-fashioned way? The old-fashioned way. Wow. Simon, Congrats, congratulations. On, <laughs> so on that, I could say that the first time around that I played it, and I forgot to mention that, is actually in probably some memories, was Gino and John. We mm. played it together. It took turns as kids. He probably doesn't remember. <laughs> I just have this habit of remembering the old stuff. Mm-hmm. That's how I keep myself going. But uh, to get back into the conversation, yeah, first time around, we beat it as, as turns. Later, I borrowed it from John, and I actually ran it through it myself and beat it as a kid because he had more time. But our, our friend John was the type day after a game, just play some basketball and soccer. So basketball, yeah. kickball, that's all we would do, man. So we wouldn't just be playing games. We stayed healthy, in a sense. That's good. But getting into that thing is, yeah, that's the, those are the games I beat uh, old-fashioned and Symphony of the Night, old-fashioned. Cool. Gino, what about you? Uh, the first, uh, kind of along with what Carlos is saying, uh, two, certainly, uh, two, uh, yeah, people hate on two, man, like, because it was so different than 
the first, but the second one is a is brilliant, man. It's so brilliant. I can play it today. I mean, I'm not saying that it's you know easy if you don't know what to do. Um, it is frustrating. It was frustrating as kids, but there's just something that it does so right that uh, I think every successive uh, Castlevania doesn't quite get. Um, but I mean, something like. Uh, Symphony of the Night, which is like perfection. Yeah, I mean, I think they really hit it there. Uh, three, um, Castlevania Three. I remember a distinct memory. I was really excited when it came out, um, and it it was like around uh, Thanksgiving. It was uh, like November when it came out, and uh, it was nineteen. Yeah, it was thirty years ago. My God. And I remember uh, just playing Three, like renting it, of course, because you know I didn't. I, you know, I don't. I didn't have like like all of you. I didn't have money, and I I would just rent everything. So, I remember like it was, you know, for some reason I remember like Crocodile Dundee two and like playing three and like that. Uh, I think like it was like uh was on TV. So that I just that's all I remember from like Thanksgiving of like 1990, the week before, you know, just playing Castlevania three. So, but I never beat it. So I need to finish that. Mm. <laughs> cool man. Mike. But, uh, but the games are ready to move on. To I think next. we're ready for the next question. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Castlevania has been around since like the eighties, correct? Yes. So video games that have been around for that long always and it seems unavoidable that eventually they're going to dabble in 3d if if series have been around for that long so my question to you is what's your take on the 2d versus 3d debate for castlevania for that series at least and your thoughts on that gino uh 3d versus 2d like as far as uh the only ones that i think were really successful were the um uh 3d ones anywhere were the uh what is it the lords of shadow um I remember playing that like uh, uh, at E3, like on the on the show floor, and I was just blown away. I thought that was so neat. Whereas the ones that I had played before that, uh, the PS2, uh, yeah, the PS2 uh, iterations, those just, you know what, man, they were just boring. Uh, I was just yawning through the through the bulk of them. I need to go back to them and try again, but at that point, I mean, I bought them because they were Castlevania, but you know, I've never sunk any time into him because i was just so bored by the title screen that uh you know i never went back to him but but i would say lords of shadow is really great uh, i would prefer always 2d but 3d is not a complete disaster you know just depending on how it's done right <clears throat> what about you frank um obviously there's more 2d games and 3d games and i think the reason for that is because people overall still prefer the 2d games the transition to 3d was very rough uh, as the first game being castlevania 64 which was you know received very lukewarm uh and that game is very flawed i don't think it's a bad game it just with castlevania 64 you know the camera's working against you there's a lot of slowdown i mean there's times when there's frame rate drops that actually screw you over because the platforming in that game is the most challenging thing like the enemies the bosses no i mean you just learn the pattern and you're good i actually think it's one of the easiest games to complete as far as enemies go but the camera was a nightmare they did kind of fix it in legacy of darkness but it, it still wasn't great 
to me, the first great 3D game was Lament of Innocence, which if you played it all the way through, Gino, um, it actually has a lot of symphony elements. Um, you know, it did have that Metroidvania in 3D exploration that it encouraged. Uh, to me, it was like a 3D symphony without the RPG elements as far as leveling up. And uh, their leveling up technique was really weird, too. Not necessarily leveling up, but to unlock new combos, it was like random. And I think I literally, I don't remember if it was even the strategy guide, but something literally said, they'll unlock when they're ready to be unlocked. And it, there's no <laughs> there's no way to like to, to like grind through it or, you know, cheese it in any way. I mean, I think it is map completion. I think it's tied to that. And also the amount of enemies that you encounter, but I mean, it, other than that, there's and there's there's a lot of combos. That game still looks really pretty, I think. Um, Curse of Darkness. When I first played it, I was expecting another lament, and they introduced uh, familiars and leveling up and all that. And I wasn't too crazy about that because it felt very uh, resource manage- management heavy. And at that time, I just wasn't really wanting to do that. But I know the story itself is pretty great because that's what they were using as the basis for the Castlevania, uh, what's it called? The series, like that was one of the main influences on it. Uh, You're talking about Lord the Netflix Shadow- series? The Netflix series, yes. Okay. Uh, other 3D games, I'm trying to think. What other 3D games? Uh, Lords of Shadow, of course, the reboot. Uh, I played the first one just a little bit, but we can talk about that in a bit. Um, overall, I, th- I think Castlevania actually lends itself pretty well to 3D. It just, there's not enough games to really get people interested in it to where, you know, I, th- I think Castlevania just kind of burned the bridge <laughs> for it. And uh, as far as the stories go, I-, I think they're actually pretty good because they were able to expand more on the lore. Because Lament of Innocence is a prequel. It's actually the first in the chronological main story uh storyline so that's the ps2 one right yes it was uh the first one on the what sixth generation consoles yeah yeah that's considered sixth gen so yeah it's 2d is better but 3d has definitely it, it still is pretty good it's just it can't compare yeah, I think I think what hurt those PS2 versions, especially the um, the what was the second one called again? Curse of Darkness, mm-hmm. is it came out very late in the PS2's lifetime. It was 2005, and by then the PS2 was on its way out because 2006 PS3 came out. And then of course you had other games in that same category like God of War, which were far more popular. So uh, unfortunately, those two Castlevania games were not on the same level of of you know gameplay. Or as entertainment value as a God of War or other games of its type, so unfortunately, you know, it kind of got swept under the rug until um, until um, Lords of Shadows came out. Then people kind of revisited it, but even then, you know, Lords of Shadows, after two main games and a and a third handheld game, they haven't done anything with that series since, mm-hmm. aside from the from the collector's release. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carlos, I know you you said you mostly stick to like the original ones, but do you have any like thoughts on the 3d or if you ever tried any that you can compare to how you feel about it 
as far as the 3D games, the only ones I was really introduced to was uh, Lord of the Shadow. I didn't, I, I skipped 64 because I didn't, like I said, I didn't have access to 64 or any other systems. Um, I very, I bought, you know, certain games. But I, I see when I got Lord of the Shadow, I thought it was composed very well. You know, it, it did blend, you know, the style of jumping and going to one place to another did, um, was pretty good. I like the way it worked. I like the system and the way it worked in general. But comparing that to 2D, I think with the NES games and the uh, you know the Super Nintendo games, yeah. um, the composers, the artists, they put their heart into those games to make those soundtracks work and blend. So yeah. I would still say, I would still say 2D is a lot better. Okay. So like it's mostly like for the roots of Castlevania is what mostly stands out for it. And you, Bobby? Well, for me, I mean, I I think their strength is in the 2D area, but it's like, you know, I'm I'm wearing my Metroid shirt because I'm a huge Metroid yeah. fan. I got Super Metroid behind me. And, you know, we're, we are going to mention a little bit uh, about Metroidvanias, which are yeah. influenced from both Metroid and, and Castlevania. But, um, you know, Metroid, Nintendo got a team together that successfully translated Metroid to a 3D platform. So it's very possible to do it. It's just a matter of getting the right team of people where it can be done. So, yeah, I don't think... 3D Castlevania is impossible. Uh, I think Lord of Shadow was a was a fine example, though to me it wasn't like if you're looking for a Symphony of Night type of gameplay in 3D, I don't think Lord of Shadow quite got there. I think it had some of those elements of it, but it was more so a hack and slash adventure rather than an explorative adventure where you're upgrading your skills and your character. And um, I think if they were to do something more that route, then uh, it might be better. I'm sorry, Frank. What were we gonna add? No, I was just gonna say that's. That's why you should play Lament of Innocence. Yeah, actually, I do. I did buy, buy that copy last year after we were going through our Castlevania kick, and I played through four and a couple others. I, mm. I bought that one so I could play through it, and I just haven't done it yet. Yeah, it's all. You bought it on uh, the PSN, right? No, no, I have the PS2 version. Oh, okay. I was able to get a physical copy. I mean, it, it's not hard to come by. Yeah, I mean, it's actually really the one that you can find the cheapest. I mean, you can find mm -hmm. it for like less than ten bucks, complete. Um, but I was going to say, it's probably better to play the PS3, PSN version, just because uh, the load times are a little better. And also, you know, it's got the HDMI already built in. So so everyone kind of like agrees that probably 2D is the best because that's the root of Castlevania. But I don't know, can we all agree also that it, it's very versatile as a series that it does kind of work in a way of 3D, at least more for like storytelling, maybe if they want, or like cutscenes or how they develop it. Yeah, so I, I think Frank and I have had this discussion on several times where all, all the 3D games, they have pretty solid stories. They they're don't really seem to have stories that make you go, wow, well, why did they do this as a stupid... And Lord of yeah. Shadow, we'll get into a little bit later because there's debate on that. But at least with those original, like on the N64 and PS2, you could tell they, you know, they put their teams behind on the effort to do the stories because even those Castlevania 64 and, and uh, Curse of Darkness... Not Curse of Darkness, what was it? Um... Yeah, Curse of Darkness. Limits of Innocence? Dark no, but the Which other N64. The, oh, Leg Legacy of Darkness. Legacy of Darkness. Um, you know, those those stories are all interesting stories and they add. And like when you guys watch the Gamer Thumb, you know, he adds those in there. Those are some of the stories where things I hadn't heard. And when he goes through them, I'm like, oh, wow, this is interesting that they handled it this way. So I, I think they, they fit in. It's I think more so the, the teams that put the gameplay together were lacking either in experience or they didn't have enough time, whatever the case may be. Because even they're the Legacy of Darkness... Works or not, but they're not yeah. sure yet. 
And then like Legacy of Darkness, it would have been nice if they had, like Frank's right, it was their version of what they what they really wanted to do, but it was more so adding in the additional assets and, and characters and, and storylines, but the gameplay was all pretty much functioned the same, which means it still had a lot of the same problems. If they had taken maybe an extra year to try to fix the issues, maybe they could have released a better N64 version of that game overall, but you know, it is what it is. They learned their lessons. I think the PS2 versions are better, but again, you had so many other games that were performing at a higher level, like God of War, that it just kind of got missed. Do you think kind of why maybe that's why Lords of Shadow went in that direction because of the previous of like N64 3D and all the other 3D ones that they wanted to go more directly kind of hack and slash get to point A to point B kind of style just to avoid just to avoid any other type of problems they might get like might reoccur from the previous 3D games. Well, I think it's it's a reflection of its time where a lot of Japanese companies were trying to design games that were appealed to Western Westerners. So it's very okay. much in a Western style of gameplay. We, we've talked about that on previous episodes with Capcom and other companies. Yeah. And I think that's the same case with Konami and, and Lord of Shadow. Cool. Yeah, and to me, for the 3D Castlevanias, the only one that's really, like, I wouldn't even say bad, like just not great, is the Castlevania 64 and Legacy of Darkness. Because the PS2 ones, I mean, yeah, other other companies had done it better, but the storytelling is still really good. The gameplay is solid, and I don't know. I, I just think a lot of people just kind of wrote, wrote those off, either because they didn't like the transition to 3D, or um, they weren't trying to, you know, there was the 3D mechanics that you had to learn. So, All right, so um, moving on to our next question. So we're we're gonna we're gonna target the de facto Castlevania game. I think when everyone thinks of Castlevania, they often uh, refer to Symphony of the Night as the game that defines the Castlevania series. So with that in mind, um, let me go ahead and just read the question the way I wrote it. Symphony of the Night is credited with popularizing the Metroidvania gameplay style. For those of you not familiar with Metroidvania, again we had discussed it or we talked about it a moment ago where. Um, Super Metroid in particular and Symphony of the Night influenced that Metroidvania explorative style where you find things and upgrade your character and in the case of Symphony of the Night, level up. Um, so has your experience with Symphony of the Night led you to play more games in that vein? So if you play through Symphony of the Night, now do you continue to play games that are in that gameplay style? Then, Carlos, we can start with you. If Gino's done moving boxes or doing whatever he's doing. <laughs> no, yeah. I think with the uh, with Symphony of the Night, it has led me to play other games, you know. I would say the first games I played after Symphony of the Night, they go into at least a 3D style. Or not 3D style, but in that continuation style would be Exenberge and Bloodstained Ritual. And again, Bloodstained Ritual is something that I always hear about from you guys, and that's when I kind of dabbled on it. That remake was the first one I played. I actually made an episode on it. Why remake? Uh, the 16, the sixteen-bit version or eight-bit? The Curse of the Moon, right? Yeah. Oh, it's not a remake. That's actually it's a side story. Oh, okay. That was the first one I touched, dabbled on first. How? What it was did on you, the Xbox. What did you think of Axiom Verge? I liked it, man. It's its own little realm, really. It's, you know, very sci-fi, very old-school sci-fi. It's like mm-hmm. if I was watching, like, the old... Uh, I'm not dogging on it, right? I'm just saying it has that B-movie feel, but in a very experimental way where you really get into watching those type of 
How about uh, Curse of the Moon? You did you get to finish Curse of the Moon? You know, I played I played a, I played bits of it just for that one. You know, I really got to get back on it as far as finishing up the game. Okay. I kind of got to a, I got stuck on a certain I got stuck with the Medusa or you know one of these bloody enemies. I don't really call their proper name. That's where I got stuck. Frank looks like he's trying to remember that that villain. <laughs> I, well, there's not a, even a Medusa-looking thing in the game. Like, there's a similar type enemy that has like a—it's an eye with a flowing tail. But I, I don't know, like, what you're talking about at all. This shoes the female. Like, I got like I said, it's, when I played that game it was a couple of months back, maybe a year. It's probably that thing that's probably similar to it, you know. Oh. So I played it a couple months back. Oh, really? How long ago? Uh, you know, like September. <laughs> <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't tried it at all yet, so. Yeah, I played Curse of the Moon. I haven't finished it, but I played it. Again, they released a version on the 3DS, and that's the version I I played some through. I know, Frank, you've beat it more than once, right? Many times, yeah. I, it's not even a proper... Uh, it's not a proper Metroidvania. It's more like Dracula's Curse, mm-hmm. where it has branching paths, but that's about it. Okay, so it's very limited in that. So how about you then, Frank? Uh, have you uh, taken a um, a taste for Metroidvania-style games since playing Symphony of the Night? I, I've played a few. Not very many, though. I wouldn't say that because I love that gameplay style that I, I went out searching for it. Like, I watched you play Guacamelee, but that's not a game that I would play, even though it is a very popular Metroidvania. I'd say the ones that I've played that are uh, in that style or obviously Bloodstained Ritual of the Night which is the spiritual successor to Castlevania um, Blasphemous which is also a Metroidvania uh, I can't really think of any others I never played Axiom Verge I know uh, Super Metroid that's that's one of your favorites Bobby but I've never played that game proper because I never got into Metroid I just you know didn't have the games growing up and then by the time I got old enough I think I've only really played Prime, the first one, and I didn't get very far in it. But, I, rem- I remember you asking me to to do gameplay so you could watch yeah. it later on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, certain games, it's like, I-, I love the idea of them as opposed to loving them to play them. And, you know, like a lot of people knock watching playthroughs, but it's like, well, I mean, if you watch talk shows, if you watch movies, that's people doing stuff that you can do. <laughs> So I don't see what the big issue is of watching playthroughs. I mean, there's no way that I'm going to play a lot of these games, so I'll absolutely watch somebody else play it if, you know, if, if I'm interested in it without wanting to get frustrated. Right. So uh, I, those are the only two that really come to mind mm-hmm. as far as Metroidvanias go. I mean, what, like, what are some really popular Metroidvania games that you guys can think of? Well, oh, I'm sorry, Complex. go ahead. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Hey. I was about to say, because when you said Metroidvania, I totally just was focused on Castlevania. So I did play Metroid, uh, another M, on the Game Boy Advance. But I emulated, I played it through oh, emulator. And that, actually was, um, that, one. that was another Sorry, M. That was... Um, that wrong? Fusion? Uh, Fusion, thank you. That was there Metroid Fusion. Yeah, so I beat Fusion. I like that one. That was pretty cool. And then I did play the original and the Super Metroid. Hmm. I like them. I like the style of the games. But I... 
I enjoy fusion. I just kind of beat it. <laughs> yeah. I like the soundtrack on it. That's why it really was very techno-ish to me. So I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. The soundtrack gets, gets me. I will enjoy the game more. Yeah, I think looking back through the history of Metroidvania games, um, really Super Metroid and Civ of the Night, and then, of course, other Metroid games that came after, like Fusion and uh, the remake of the original Metroid, um, Metroid Zero Mission, and then, of course, the Prime games, you know, those have been the ones that are usually targeted. I think the whole Metroidvania thing had a resurgence with indie games in the last, you know, 10, 15 years, especially games like Axiom Verge and Hollow Knight and Guacamelee. Um, I know, like, the Toho series that our friend George is really popular with, they have that uh, Luna Knights game, which is very much in the vein of a Metroidvania. So I'm just thinking that maybe that gameplay style lends itself to being able to create a very diverse 2D world without having to worry about developing 3D assets, which can be very time-consuming and or ultimately, you know, very, very expensive in the long run for small for small companies. So I think maybe that's why Metroidvanias are very popularized. And then you'll see that there's a lot of Metroidvania, there are games labeled Metroidvanias that have added, you know, gameplay elements that never existed in those original metroidvania style games and it continues to evolve to this day so i mean it makes you wonder if really that metroidvania moniker fits anymore just because the games are so different from their original concepts but um yeah i mean i i'm a huge fan i i go look left and right for metroidvania games and like frank i play blasphemous and that's that's a game i fell in love with because it's right up my alley in that metroidvania style so so is guacamelee i've beat that game on multiple occasions uh, on multiple systems i mean it's just it's a lot of fun to play and i just really enjoy that style but um gino we're waiting to hear from you now sir if you're ready he just remuted himself <laughs> there you go Is that now, better? You're, now you're not muted <laughs> okay good it's good because like I was eating this apple while you were talking and I was trying to like speed eat it so like when you asked me the question I wouldn't be like crunching on it. But uh but then you you asked me the question and I couldn't turn the mic on, so there's always something. But uh like what wait, what's the question? Oh yeah, Metroidvania. Um like okay, watch. I love Metroidvania and I love like Super Metroid, okay? I really do. But at this point, it's becoming like, you know, that like uh what is it that plot point of like insomnia it's like motherfucker like i gotta go i'm oh, sorry i gotta go and like you know find all my shit again like are you serious can't we do this in a more organic way you know like uh i don't know i i really like it uh obviously like symphony of the night i mean that's brilliant and and super metroid is brilliant uh and i'm gonna go and, and probably right after this go uh purchase uh, uh blasphemous because you guys are just raving about it um and play that but you know it's like when you went to i wouldn't say that uh prime is kind of like a metroidvania i guess it is uh metroid prime but uh yeah i start rolling my eyes when it's like oh i've lost all my equipment what to do now <laughs> oh you know like god but but yeah i like them i, I don't think i i don't think i went out and and, and sought sought out more of that because that that always just kind of makes me roll my eyes and it's like oh, i gotta go get everything even when i know it's coming you know so, so yeah, that's my uh, my take on it. Well, I will agree. Those early Metroidvanias, like, um, uh, wasn't so much Super Metroid, but Metroid Prime did it, as well as uh, Symphony of the Night, where 
you start off the game super powerful and then you run into a, either a situation or a villain that then takes away your powers. But I don't think that's an issue that occurs now with those games. But I, to me, that's just more of a, a storytelling uh, contrivance as opposed to an issue with the game itself. Um, but I do agree that the games that call themselves Metroidvanias that get too stuck in the making you veer off the map just to find things rather than making it feel more organic. Like, oh, I defeated this enemy and now I ran into this thing that I needed. You know, I think that makes more sense. So it can be hard to develop those Metroidvania games if you just kind of throw things around the map. They do it really well because it's with the exploring of the map, like you were just saying, it, it has like a good reward system at a good pacing for you to keep like progressing and wanting to get the next item or the next mm-hmm. upgrade, you know? Do you really believe that though? I mean, uh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, about working today, I mean, probably not this. It won't be the same if you try to do it too much, but it, it still could be done properly, you know? Blasphemous being the best example, I think. Probably. Probably. But, but I get your point on saying, like, it's kind of weird if they, like, you start off super strong and then they get rid of it. But I think back in the day, that was just to show you the max uh, potential of that character before stripping it away from you. And then I guess they just kind of repeated it for every sequel, so. Well, and I mean, actually, you can you can bug out Symphony of the Night to in your second playthrough, yeah. if you uh, in the beginning area before Death takes your items, if you get hit by the wolf, you can go flying through that screen and keep all your stuff at the beginning. <laughs> oh really? Oh, that's <laughs> right. I forgot about that glitch. I didn't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just uh, I don't know. I, I definitely like it. It's something that, but I can't do it all the time. So I couldn't be playing like these Metroidvania games all the time because I would just be irritated that they just took my stuff again. You know, it's like God <laughs> damn it. You know. So. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, but I mean, it makes sense because you know if you're overpowered at the beginning, what the hell are you doing? I mean, you're just walking left or right. So that's just contra. Yeah, you'll be playing some boring ass Superman game or something. Right. Right. Well, hey, <laughs> wait, you know, like contra is great, but you know what I mean. Like if they took away Lance's guns, you know, it's like well. I guess I'll punch these guys out in the woods, you know, but anyway. Yeah. Um, I would think, too, like the Symphony of Night led me to play more uh, Metroidvanias because it just that that game actually led me to play more Castlevania games. You know. OK, so Lords of Shadows and its sequels attempted to reimagine the Castlevania storyline. Do you feel the games did the series justice? And which storyline do you prefer? And would you recommend these games? Uh, why or why not? And I would personally recommend them. And I, I you know, Lords of Shadow is one of my favorites. So I was wondering if you had a strong opinion on this one, Carlos. Lords of Shadow. So I, I only got to play the first one. I never ventured into the second one. I'm sure me and you discussed that a couple of times. But um, sec- the first one, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it for what it was. Yeah, they were remaking something from the traditional Castlevania sense, they're trying to reimagine it. And the storyline was a little bit flawed. I like the characters though, you know, the gaming style is great. You know, I think Hideo Kojima even threw that ode from Ocelot whenever you face one of the, bad, I guess a certain bad guy, he says, come at me. Just like if it was, you're facing off with Ocelot in Metal Gear Solid or in any of the Metal Gears. But overall, the game was cool. The music was great though. I liked the music. The composition was cool. But um, then again, yeah, the storylines were a little bit different. It wasn't as um, extensive as the classic Castlevania series. We were used to them. Changing that kind of kind of threw me off a little bit. Okay. As far as recommendation, I'd still recommend them. Why not try them out, and then you get your own opinion on it. 
What about you, Gina? Gino? Okay, what about you, Frank? <laughs> <laughs> no, he unmuted himself. Oh, okay, there you go, Gina. <laughs> Okay. Okay. I'm unmuted. Oh shit. Okay. Sorry. Uh, well, I mean, you know, the stories aren't anything to write home about. Let's be honest. You know, uh, they're pretty uh, run of the mill. Um, How are they run of the mill? Do, are, do you know the full story for Lords of Shadow? I mean, this is just my opinion, right? So. Well, but I'm asking. There's, there's nothing based in fact here, you know. Uh, well, how, uh, how are you having an opinion if you don't even know the story? Are we talking about Lords of Shadow exclusively? Yes. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, have you played Lords of Shadow? Yeah, I've only, but I only played a little bit of it. Yeah, the story's cool. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> wait, wait, you said you only played a little bit, so you don't know the whole story? <laughs> no, I don't know the whole story. <laughs> like, I got the idea of it. <laughs> I mean, you, know, you get the broad strokes, you know. <laughs> Okay, so I, I, I'm guessing that you prefer the original storyline then, right, Gino? Yeah, I mean, you know, they're about the same. Okay, would you recommend it to somebody? <laughs> yeah, sure, it's fun. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right, thanks, Gino. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm going to go back on mute. <laughs> uh, You're not muted. I know, that's why. I told you. I told you, just give me a minute here. Why is it so hard? Is it because you're on eBay while we're doing all this? No, no, I'm here in front of you. <laughs> it's all good. All right, give us your opinion, Frank. Uh, okay, so I the gameplay... To me, that's what was nothing to write home about, especially having played the previous uh, 3D Castlevanias. I I wouldn't even say the gameplay was bad. To me, the gameplay was boring. And I compared it to God of War, or at least that's what it felt like. It felt like Castlevania God of War. And so right away, I was turned off because it didn't, I think it had an identity crisis, you know, like you had mentioned before, is that the Western audience is really who they were kind of developing the game for. And for me, it fell flat. I think storyline-wise, the storyline with the way they redid some of the characters and redid the origin of Dracula and everything, I actually thought that was uh, pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. I, I actually recommend watching like the cutscenes of those games if if you don't like the gameplay, because that's still a pretty good storyline in and of itself. Especially, I think they actually went bigger, in all honesty, than the original storyline. Because the, I mean, slight spoiler, but uh, the... Uh, Big Bad is actually Lucifer, Satan, whatever you want to. Do they call him? It's, it's Satan or Lucifer. Yeah, I think they just refer to him as Lucifer in the game. Yeah. Lucifer. So he's actually a Big Bad as opposed to Dracula. I mean, Dracula is still antagonist, uh, but to me, I, I like the way that they they redid that, just because it was a different take. And uh, I I prefer the original storyline because it's so vast. You know, they've built up so much lore despite having to do a lot of retconning and everything. But I don't think that Lords of Shadow is anything to throw away. I think the story is is definitely interesting enough to give it a give it a, a, a try. The gameplay-wise, though, 
I, I couldn't really recommend it. Uh, to me, it was just really boring. It just didn't really stand out at all. And it wasn't bad gameplay, it just it didn't grab my attention. So, could I recommend it? I mean, for me, no, but I think, you know, if you go in with an open mind, you should definitely try it. Did any of you guys try Mirror of Fate? That was 2D, right? The 2D sequel. Yeah, first on the 3DS, and then in the Castlevania Lords of Shadow collection, mm -hmm. which actually, I do want to get a copy of that. I do want to get the Lords of Shadow games, because I do, especially with Mike B advocating for so much, I really do feel like I should give it a proper playthrough, just because, like I said, I do also like the story. But that Mirror of Fate has that old-school-style Metroidvania gameplay to it. Mm -hmm. Is it Metroidvania, or just, a, like, is it very linear? No, no, it's Metroidvania. It has the whole exploring the castle and everything like that. It's, oh, okay. it's completely like that. And it just, uh, of course, it bridges the gap between the the Lords of Shadow 1 and 2. Like okay. the filler story. Well, on that one, you play as multiple characters, right? You play as Trevor, yes. and you play as Alucard, and what was the name of the main character? Simon. And Simon. Simon. Oh, Simon. Yeah, you and play then, as Simon. And then, but what's the name of the main character again? Um, For Mirror Fate, Trevor. I believe it's Trevor in that one. Oh, I'm sorry. I meant from the first Lords of Shadow for 1 oh, and 2. Oh, Gabriel. Gabriel, that's his name. SME Gabriel. <laughs> well, speaking SME. of Gabriel, Gabriel's just, he loves that first Castlevania, though. Funny. So in your case, Carlos, you only played the first Lord of Shadow, right? You didn't play this. Right. Either, yeah, either I played the first one. I wanted to get the DLC, but again, I uh, didn't have much funds at that point in time. And Mike, you played through them all? I didn't finish Lords of Shadow 2 because they... It's a, it, it. See, you know, I like the change when they went to the hack and slash. Uh, Frank dislikes that, but everyone has their own taste. So I, I enjoyed the. Hack I don't and slash dislike hack and slash. I dislike for get for particular one. Yes, for that one. And so what was weird? They did the hack and slash still, but they kind of did an open world. And it wasn't more in the Metroidvania style where you go to certain particular areas to try to discover it kind of felt like open open world and i kind of disliked it for that and i couldn't i couldn't like push myself to finish the second one so i don't even know how it ends for that series though but i i do really enjoy the the first lords of shadow and the mirror fate was really fun too which is also available on like uh ps4 now right i'm not sure is it part of that collection is that collection on ps4 I think it's or on PS4 because it was originally on, it was originally on 3DS and now it's on PS4 and Steam and stuff like that. I think, right? I don't think it's on PS4. I know it is on Steam. Well, then it might be Xbox One then. Oh, yeah, it might be the one. one. Okay, yeah. So then, Mike, since you probably have the most experience here with uh, with um, Lord of Shadows, what would comparing the two storylines? Do you have a preference of one over the other? Do you prefer the newer one versus the older one? Or do you think they I, both have their place? I, of course they both have their place, but I prefer the Lords of Shadow one just because I guess more of the theatrical like cutscenes and everything that was really cool and that's what I like the storytelling. And they were imagining like they made some changes, but it was nothing you could be like, oh well that's just completely stupid. It was just like, oh that this kind of fills out. This is pretty cool, you know? Um and I guess for the older ones, since I didn't get into like Castlevania till later, 
I guess it was more of me having to dig deep into lore or um, what was that YouTuber you mentioned, Frank? Frank showed me that video about that. So gamer thumb. That's yeah, the gamer thumb. So then it's like, okay, I didn't know that much about it. So I think just the experience of actually being able to take in all that information from this new story while I'm playing was really, you know, what, what I enjoyed most about it. Because with the old ones, it's like I have no idea what's going on when I was like trying them and stuff like that. Yeah, so, yeah. That that is kind of the tricky thing with the older games because it has a long history. I mean, a lot of the games they they obviously don't take place chronologically. Uh, some take place earlier, some take place later. So then you end up having storylines retconned, or you end up having uh, characters that you didn't know existed suddenly they exist, and that's part of the issue with you know developing games like that over a long period of time. We haven't even touched on the uh, the handheld games. That's part of the original series. There were three of them on on GBA and three of them on the DS that were two distinct trilogies. Um, and the one in particular at the end on the DS pretty much in a way concluded the main storyline for Castlevania, which is probably what led to them rebooting Lords of Shadow. Um, <clears throat> because, you know, spoiler alert, when they concluded that DS version, it turns out that you've been the, the incarnation of Dracula this whole time. And, but now he's a good person. He's helping the world instead of destroying it. Kind of, Kind of like uh, what's been alluded to in the Netflix series, which we'll talk about, I guess, in a little bit, in which, you know, Dracula, you know, he may be evil, but there's a reason why he's evil. He wasn't born that way. And that's kind of the way Lord of Shadow plays it as well. So well, I guess trying to bring sympathy for the devil, so to speak. Well, I think uh, what's it called? What's his name? Soma Cruz. He's 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 good, but he's they're trying to resurrect the soul of Dracula in him. and. He's still bad. <laughs> With Soma Cruz being the main character? Yes. I thought he ended up being good. No, he was good. But the thing is, like, he had uh, he, he had Dracula's soul in him. Right. And he ends up, uh, he's the one who ends up fighting the chaos realm itself at the end. But it's because they were trying to resurrect Dracula. Right. Again. But I thought he was able to defeat it and then. In a way, it's like he's being uh, um, not not rehabilitated. Um, reformed? Thank you. Re- reformed. There's a better word for it, but, you know, making up for his grievances against man. But I don't know. I, I mean, in all honesty, that's just from what I've seen in the, what's it called? The, the game timeline. Or, yeah. Yeah. Because it, to me, it just... I never played those games, but it seemed more like Soma Cruz was his own person, just he had Dracula's soul. Mm-hmm. So he was supposed to be awakened inside Soma because Soma was the host. Okay. So I don't, I don't know. I, yeah, it's been a while since I've seen right. him too. I mean, I, I, I can't say for 100% certainty. But um, anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> so so uh, just a quick question. Uh, do you have a favorite character and who is that favorite character and why? Gino, get off mute. <laughs> I guess he's not going to do what I say. No, he's probably just trying to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Frank, we'll start with you then. I, I It's really hard for me to answer this mm-hmm. uh i think simple question or simple answer to this question would be richter uh because he's in 
a game I I really love. Well, two games actually, mm-hmm. but he's he's got a lot of personality, especially compared to how Milk Toast Simon was and Trevor was. Granted, you know they were limited to the storytelling that the eight bit NES could tell. So I'd say probably Richter. How about you, Carlos? Do you have a favorite character from any of the games? So I have two, and that's just one from one sequel to the other. So I would say Simon, mm-hmm. just because that was the first character I was introduced with, too. And he, he had a good personality. Yeah, he was very straightforward with what he had to do to save his sound, his version of the story, to on Dracula. And of course, if I go to Dracula's Curse, I would say Grant. Because I thought at first, honestly, because I was... <laughs> Graphic-wise, I thought Grant was a hunchback, man, but I ended up finding out that he's actually a pirate with bad posture. (laughs) (laughs) Those are my two favorite characters in general. I like those two characters. Those those to me were memorable. Very cool. I guess uh, we're going to leave Gino out of this one. Gino. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Next question, Mike. All right. So we've already talked about the games, uh, favorite characters, all the stuff like that. So you know hey, wait a minute. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> oh my God. Look, I got it. I got voice now. All right. It was, I couldn't. It, anyway. Anyway. Uh, uh, I mean, I don't know, man. They're, they're going to make me milky. edit this like crazy. <laughs> oh, sorry. Well, uh, <laughs> Don't edit you know, any of it out. Just leave it all in. Uh, I don't know, man. Like, it comes down to, what is it now? Like, uh, yeah, I like Simon, because that's the first one that I was uh, introduced to. I like Richter, too, because, I mean, essentially now it's like, which amiibo looks more exciting, you know? And Richter clearly, <laughs> you know, clearly has the upper hand. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, actually, I'd say Alucard, man. Alucard's awesome. I mean, he's just beyond cool. So... Uh, that's who I would say. Cool. Thank you for popping back in. <laughs> Are so you welcome? I'm going to put it on don't, mute. No, here. no, don't. Don't put it on mute because you're going to answer this next question first. <laughs> okay. What Castlevania media beyond the games did you guys enjoy, if any? And we'll start with Frank. No, we're we supposed to start with Gino. Start with Gino. First. Right? Oh, I was oh, saying to start God. with Gino, remember? <laughs> Go ahead, Gino. Lead off. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh you know uh no I, I don't think there's really that much i mean there's uh you know there's the cartoons and uh, then there's like captain n so there's not a lot of like you know i don't, I don't i'm sure maybe there was a comic but uh yeah i guess i would say like the the netflix series is pretty cool but i will say and this will drive frank crazy uh i loved like captain n i loved like super mario world cartoons i loved all that stuff <laughs> Because uh, I was there for it, right? Nostalgia is overrated. Well, I mean, so is like, you know, I don't know, being above nostalgia. So, uh, so yeah, I would say I'm not I above nostalgia, but I can recognize bad shit from my childhood. <laughs> yeah, I didn't say it was like, you know, a masterpiece. I'm just saying I still enjoy it. There's some kind of weird charm about it. No, you know? no. <laughs> so that's my... That's my answer. I'm going to mute myself again. Wait, wait, before, but 
so obviously the most popular well-known media outside of the games is the netflix series so have you seen all three seasons and really quick take on what you think what they've done with it oh i love it yeah uh, a lot of people said that like the third season was uh, a little bit like a slow burn uh and i'll agree i mean season two was uh you know it was just there was so much at stake um but i really like the way in season three how they kind of you know, rebuilt, kind of reshaped the the direction that it's going. So I'm interested to see what happens next. Sure. Cool. Thank you, Gino. Mm-hmm. All right, Mike, go ahead. Who are you going to ask next? Oh, yeah, Frank. There you go. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I just give Gino a hard time. It's all in good fun. No, I, I totally get it. You know, it's like... If anything, the, the Captain N cartoons, they are very, uh, they're representative of that late 80s, early 90s, like where they were trying to market to be all hip and cool. And so it's very cheesy. It's very uh, cornball. But, you know, it was as a kid, you would love that stuff. You know what I mean? And seeing Alucard as a skateboarding a rebellious teenager, it's, it's, it's so over the top and ridiculous. But it's, it, it, I'm sure that they're, besides Gino, are fans of, you know, that media back then. I personally never saw it. Uh, I had to go back and actually watch clips of it on YouTube. And uh, I don't want to say I cringed because I think that word has kind of lost all meaning now with the internet. I'm like, I'd say I, I felt that secondhand embarrassment <laughs> for uh, for Simon <laughs> because he's such a he's a wimp. I'll put it mildly. He's a wimp in Captain N and really uh, annoying. But uh, the Netflix series, which is definitely, I think, the the most well-known media beyond the games, um, I think it did a really good job in the first two seasons. And the third season I have a lot of issues with, uh, mostly because it it's like they got these like 14-year-old uh, <laughs> boys who've never had, like, uh, who've never seen you know, like any sort of nudity in real life to write these, these characters who have a lot of potential, but like the, the actual delivery of, of those scenes, like just the way they came out are just so bad. It's just, it's really bad. And I understand what they're trying to do. They're, they're, it, part of it kind of feels like filler, but part of it is they're really trying to exp- expand on the series itself so that there's more that they can explore in the fourth season. And I think that part is interesting. You know, like with the vampire court with the with the women, I think that's really, really cool, especially because, they, you know, they introduce a lot of things. I mean, just out of pure blind spot. I didn't even think about the fact that they had to actually wage war on humanity. You know, it's like, because you play the games and you're this lone warrior who's going through fighting, you know, Dracula's forces and the forces of darkness, all that stuff. But you don't actually think of the logistics and how their strategy and all this stuff. And so I really love the way they did that. And the Vampire Court, that was really cool, too. Um the uh, the animation is really good. I'm glad that they didn't hold back. And there's cursing. To me, like they made it for a mature audience because it's made for people like us, you know, mm-hmm. people in their 30s who grew up with it. But the, uh, the first season was good. The second season is amazing. The third season, I think, is the weakest with the most filler. 
but I, I do want to see where they're going within the fourth season, especially with some of those characters. I think uh, the character representation for Trevor and Saifa and Alucard are really well done. The choices that they made storyline-wise in season three, uh, there's some issues there with Alucard. And then also with Hector from Curse of Darkness, I don't like the way they redid his character because he's fighting, you know, the forces of darkness in Curse of Darkness, which, I mean, this is still before that that part of the storyline, but they really just kind of neutered his character. He's just this whiny, you know, emasculated kind of nothing person. And to me, that's, that's not even a good character. Like, it, it'd be one thing to be flawed and weak, but he's not even flawed and weak. He's just, he's a whipping boy that just, he's not, he's not even really serving a purpose other than to, to show away how they're going to get more demons. That, that, that's what it felt like to me. So, those are my thoughts. How about you, Carlos? So I would say, I guess going back to the the media and the games, I say Captain N, of course, yeah, I grew up on it. It was a cheesy series. I mean, Simon, as far as uh, Simon Belmont's concerned, he reminded me of a humanized launchpad McQuack without the charm, <laughs> without the humor. He's just like a, like Frank says, he's a, he's a big old coward. You can hide yeah. behind even Link and Kid Icarus. Mega Man would put up a better fight in his low boy style. <laughs> But as far as um, other medias, like I, I played Kid Dracula. I liked it. It was just a take on Alucard, but as like a real little kid trying to defend his, his realm versus uh, scary aliens in a sense, because they were real goofy aliens to play with. And actually, there was one more game where Simon Belmont does come out, and I consider this game a collaboration of the Smash Brothers, but without the Smash. It's called uh, YY World. And you had characters like Simon Belmont you had to rescue to use them to fight other characters. Even Mikey from Goonies comes out on it and a bunch of other characters. I keep going extensively on it. As far as Castlevania, it's, I mean, the Netflix series. I like the Netflix series. I agree with Frank. The first two series are very strong representations. Seasons. The seasons. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and season three, of course, was more of a, uh, they just kind of went into too much with each character. I mean, Alucard, I don't think we wanted I was used to the classic Symphony of the Night, not having to know what Alucard's preferences were, why they went into this, went into his sexuality. That's something, I mean, it's it's an adult thing, I guess it's cool, but something I didn't expect. Breaking down the characters from what they, you know, Frank would know more about, like, you know, Curse of Darkness with Hector. That guy was whiny. That was a whiny <laughs> character. The other characters, like the, the Belmonts, they were perfectly fine. Otherwise, I'm looking forward to season four and see what they bring up, what they bring bring to the table. Yeah, I think part of what hurts season three is particularly with Alucard and Hector is, okay, so you watch a, a season and you expect character development, but Alucard and Hector both ended where they started. Their characters did not change. They just introduced more pain into their lives. And in no way... Did that help their character become a better person or a worse person? They're exactly the same. That's why those parts are very weak. That's why those parts feel like filler. Um, 
the part the parts with like Trevor and Sypha helping out that village, especially because there's an issue going on, that allows for character development because you get to see how Sypha and and Trevor play off of each other and and continue developing their relationship. Or like Frank mentioned with the development of the storyline with the with the four vampire mistresses running the uh, the vampire whatever you want to call council. You know, you get to see that development of who these characters are and how they interact and what their plans are for the long run. I think the other thing that hurt season three is there was no one story thread to link them all together. There was just four separate stories being told at once. And you were expecting it to come together towards the end, which never happened. So we don't know where they're going with part four. It's like this was all a prelude to set something up coming up later. And it doesn't feel fair when you don't know what's coming then you feel like you're missing out on something. And I think that's what hurts season three because season one and two had a specific direction they were going and all those threads came together to finalize the story in two parts. But season three doesn't feel that way because even at the end of season one, you knew where it was going. You knew what was coming together. So I don't know. I mean, hopefully with season four, they'll, they'll fix that up. But um, recently I heard that the, um, the showrunner for season four, who's a comic book artist or writer, um, Ellis, Warren Ellis, uh, left the show. Now, they are going to do a season four, but he's the guy who is running the shows and writing, helping direct the storylines. And he left the show because of, unfortunately, fortunately or unfortunately, fortunately, particularly for the women involved, that there are allegations of sexual misconduct. Uh, I don't know the details of what was going on. I don't know what he's accused of doing and how much fact or fiction there is to this. You know, we've been hearing a lot of cases over the years where people, particularly with men in power, taking advantage of their positions. And, uh, and that seems to be the case here. And so I, I do not have one opinion one way or the other because I don't know the facts. But if he did what he did, yeah, he should not be running the show, even as good an artist as he is, um, because there are plenty of other good people that can take his place and help run the show that needs. But what we do know is we are getting a fourth season, regardless of him leaving the show. The question is, is will that season be enough for Netflix to then keep it going? Because Netflix has been notorious for closing shows down after two or three seasons, despite how popular they are. I mean, look at the Marvel series that we had that were really good. But part of the issue was, you know, Marvel being bought out by Disney. But really, the other thing is the shows were getting more expensive and the amount of viewers was narrowing because people weren't willing to commit to a very long story form of multiple seasons of having a fall. Because, like, you know, if you look at Daredevil, if you're going to watch season three of Daredevil, well, you got to watch season one and two. And some people may not be willing to make that commitment to watching all the seasons of that show, you know, and so. the Defenders. Well, and the Defenders, and, and it's the same thing with the other series as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that was a problem with Castlevania uh, and Netflix with Season 3, and I think that's the the place where Netflix finds themselves. So I was surprised they continued with a Season 4, um, considering the way Season 3 went. Um, but I think it is also necessary if they're going to close any story threads. But I wouldn't be surprised if after Season 4, that's it, they're done with it, and they move on to something else. And... Well, before I bring up this other stuff, we'll pass it off to Mike if you had anything to add about your opinions on these things. Uh, mainly that Castlevania show, I totally got drawn into it right away. Uh, I think Trevor was the main attraction. Mm -hmm. Like, once it starts his characters, you're just very intrigued and in, like, why he's kind of bitter or a little bit more like, you know, it seems like he's in a funk the whole time. But then, he, of course, the way they're laying it out is then, you, of course, you learn about the... Everybody knows about the Belmont family but, you know, being excommunicated from the church. So then it kind of shows, like, why he's that certain way. So I think the character development's really good. And like you were saying earlier, 
where uh, season three kind of dragged. Because I also like how they did Alucard. I really like how they portrayed how he's just like a lonely person. And I really like that. And I like, you know, sympathetic towards him about his situation and then the, the need for him to like, he has to kill his own father. But like you were saying, with the third season, it dragged out because we already got that information from the first two seasons and maybe on the first few episodes of season three. But they kind of like dragged out that whole sadness of Alucard for way too long. And same thing with Hector. It's just like you just see him locked in a cage the whole time. I was like, yeah, that sucks for him, but like, I already know he's in this situation. Plus, I mean, he's kind of just dumb because he just gets more and more worse into the situation with Hector. It's like, oh man, this guy's an idiot. (laughs) But yeah, I I can say though, if uh, if they have like a redemption arc for him, it's going to be a big payoff because (laughs) of how much he's like, you know, just yeah. uh, What's the word I'm looking for? How much he's endured? Not endured, but that that, that that'll work. How much he's endured in season three? Yeah. Well, and I think yeah. part of the thing is you're expecting that redemption to take place within the season. Yeah, you know? that too. And I think it just kind of ended without resolving that, or at least they didn't even have a good hint of like maybe he'll get a way out of this. It's like nah, dude. Mm-hmm. He just <laughs> he just dug himself deeper, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that's how it ends. But to be fair, Curse of Darkness, I think it's three years after Dracula's curse and his defeat by, you know, Alucard and Rick or Trevor and stuff like that. So, I mean, uh, if they don't do a fifth season, I'm sure there's going to be some sort of, you know, redemption in some way, shape or form for the character in season four. Yeah. So some other media I want to share since we, you know, here in North America, we haven't gotten a lot of media in our in our country uh, for Castlevania. But I thought what was interesting, aside from the, the Captain N with that goofy ass Belmont and the Netflix series in Japan. Well, actually, before I even talk about Japan in America, back in the early 90s, there is these uh, series of, uh, I guess, young adult adventure books called Worlds of Power. And one of the books was actually based on on Simon's Quest, and if they were geared towards kids, you know, who were playing video games between the ages of like you know nine and thirteen, and it was about their favorite games. But what was interesting is it included games, uh, the the book series included games like Mega Man Two and Ninja Gaiden and Metal Gear. There are ten books total in the series, and uh, I don't know why they stopped at the ten books, but they were published by Scholastic. So you know, either they didn't sell well, or maybe they just thought it was you know kids weren't interested in it, but. Whatever the case may be, I thought that was interesting because I remember seeing those books, but I never read them. Are any of you guys familiar with those? I had the Mega Man one, I think. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I never got to get them, but it, those were in Scholastic in Elementary. Yeah. By, like, Super Mario. I bought the Super Mario one. <laughs> there was more of a kid's one where you, you eat the mushroom and grow and break everybody out of the castle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I know... I know Nintendo had a uh, a deal with some other company because this isn't the same company. They didn't do any Nintendo ones. They were they dealt with the other companies, but I do remember that Mario Brothers one because, like you said, you get the Scholastic uh, brochure and you could pick your books out and turn in the form to your teacher. Yeah. So that way you could get those books ordered. Thanks. That's pretty cool. Um, some other stuff that came across. There was a comic book series that came out in two thousand five. It was done by IDW, but it was a five-issue series called the, the Belmont Legacy. And they did release a graphic novel version of it, so it combines all four of those books. Have you guys come across those at all? I've never no. heard of it. Okay. Really, to be honest. 
So that's something we might want to look at checking out. Now, the one that probably caught my attention the most, and this is a Japanese-only release, is um, there's a manga called Dracula X Nocturne in the Moonlight, and it's a prequel to the Symphony of the Night. So it tells you the storyline that leads up to what's going on in Symphony of the Night. So I don't know if it's basically Rondo of Blood or if it's in between Rondo of Blood and Symphony of the Night, but are you familiar with it, guys? No. Okay. Uh, apparently, it was it was released. I, I maybe it was sold separately, but it sounds like it was released as part of a um, collector's edition of Symphony of the Night. If you had pre-ordered it back in, you know, we're talking about back in '97, and it was a Japan-only release. And I, I tried looking online to see if I could find any copies of it, like on eBay, to see maybe we could order one and take a look at it, but nah, I couldn't find anything. Um, but maybe I need to look under the Japanese name. And then uh, <laughs> the last one which was interesting is in Japan, there were two radio dramas done for (laughs) Castlevania. Yeah. There were internet radio dramas and one of them was based on symphony of the night. And the other one was based on uh, other games in the series. It's like a, a, the symphony of the night was released over like a four month period and you can buy those on CD. They actually have them on sound on on CD. So we could probably order one and have it shipped or something. But I thought that was interesting (laughs) that they did radio dramas Uh, of Castlevania. And those, those were released actually in 2000. Where is it? I thought I had it down as maybe 2008. Maybe I didn't write down the dates, but it was in the, it was in the mid two thousands for sure. Um, not too long. Actually, you know what? The, those radio dramas, I think, ended 2008. Yeah. So it was a couple years before they rebooted the whole Castlevania series with um, Lord of Shadow. Speaking of which, side note, that's, I, I think the name is terrible. Lords of Shadow. It's an <laughs> it's just awkward to say, like, because you want to say Lord of Shadows mm-hmm. or even Lords yeah. of Shadows, yeah. like Lords of Shadow, just the one. <laughs> it's only there's only one shadow. Everyone has the same shadow. Lords of one That's funny. All right. So I think we're ready to close this out. What do you think, Mike? Uh, Yeah. I'm totally down. I think the last one's you. Oh, I I just did this one question. I'm sure you don't want to do the last one? Uh, I think I'm good. I got to close it anyway. Okay. Because I asked it earlier by mistake anyway. (laughs) So (laughs) we're going to edit that part out. (laughs) (laughs) I think I might leave it in. All right. <laughs> what is your favorite Castlevania game? And we'll start off with Frank. Uh, so it's going to be Rondo of Blood, which I didn't even play until the PSP had the Dracula X Chronicles remake. So that was, oof, I'm trying to think when I played it. It was sometime between... 2008 and 2010. Yeah. I don't remember exactly when, but that's when I had gotten my my PSP. And uh, I had always seen gameplay of, of it, and of course I had played Dracula X by that point, which I didn't really care for. But the the soundtrack, Richter being you know awesome, the uh, branching paths, the graphics, the the animations, everything about that game, I love. I mean, prior to playing that, I'd say my favorite was probably Symphony. And, you know, they are part of the same story. So that, you know, that kind of fits. But in all honesty, I think I've played Symphony enough to where Rondo takes its place because I burned myself out on Symphony. And that was the the first Castlevania 
that I would say I mastered. Well, not necessarily mastered, but you know, I can go through and I can play it and beat it pretty easily. Rondo is still challenging enough to make. You know, it's I can't just walk through it, but I don't get frustrated playing it, and it has that really good balance. And I just I really love uh, Richter. And the really cheesy cutscenes. Uh, I, I when I first played it, they had the the newly translated English ones on the PSP because you could unlock the original Rondo of Blood, and it was either on the PC Engine it was the Japanese voices or the German voices, and so I never knew what the hell they were saying, of course. But getting that full experience, I just I just fell in love with it. it. It's such a great game to go back and play. And actually, the first time I beat it was at our friend Val's house because I was playing his uh, his pie. And, you know, everybody was kind of doing something. And I was just like, well, I want to play Castlevania. So he and I ended up just sitting there and just playing through the game. And we beat it that night. And, yeah, great game. Uh, I got a question on the Rondo of Blood. Was that the PC Engine CD one? Yes, or yes, it was CD mm-hmm. version, CD based. Yeah, okay. yeah. They they did do a fan, uh, fan special edition. I forgot what it was called, but it came in this really beautiful box, and I mean, it was all uh, repro stuff, but it had like a stake and a cross and all these cool things that would you know that were fan made. Uh, if you can, if I can find a fi- picture of it, Mike, I'll send it to you. Cool. Now, I, I did look it up. The uh, the Dracula X Chronicles did release in 2007 on the PSP. Uh, the original Rondo of Blood was in 93. So you beat the Dracula X version. Did you also go back and play through the original? Yes. And yes, it? I did. I, I played through the original on the Castlevania Requiem collection on mm. PS4. And because actually I, I, didn't, I didn't beat it on PSP. I had unlocked it, but... I was still playing the uh, the remake version, Dracula mm-hmm. X. So I didn't beat it until I played it on PS4. And it's interesting how it got released the next year on the Wii uh, WiiWare store or the Wii, whatever they called the, the store. And uh, and it was the original Rondo of Blood with the oh, Japanese yeah, and, right. and German. So you couldn't play it in English. <laughs> so it wasn't even the remake. It was the original version. So that was fun. It was part of that Turbo Graphics uh, <laughs> release, which is the name of the, the North American name for the PC engine in Japan. And um, pretty cool. What about you, Carlos? So I would still say the first, the, my first two would be Simon's Quest, of course, when it started me off. Good storyline. You know, I enjoyed it. It was a great adventure. There was a lot of, a lot of little things going on with that game. Not everyone's beaten it, so I won't go too far into it, but it was pretty cool and of course symphony for me that was the first time i ever had the voices introduced i'm pretty sure 64 might have had voices and i could be wrong no it didn't but symphony for me was the first uh, game that i played that had a lot of voice acting mm-hmm. and it was trippy because when i beat that game it actually i didn't expect uh, dracula to be sarcastic and quote the bible which was matthew 15 i didn't expect that you know but it was all good man i enjoyed it for what it was and the game was great those were the two those were my two favorite games overall very cool. Uh, Gino, are you there? Gino. Gino. Oh, 
<laughs> you know one question we should add? I'm listening. What's your favorite soundtrack? Yeah, I had thought about a music question earlier, then I got distracted and forgot to add it in there. Gino. You keep <laughs> muting and unmuting yourself. I'll let I'll let you know when you're not muted. Okay, you're not muted. You can talk now. Can I talk? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, good. Uh yeah. I, I don't really know. Because uh, you yeah, I think Simon's Quest, man. Like above and beyond all the rest of them. Uh much as I love Symphony of the Night and Rondo, like uh, those are great, great games, but um I don't know. I'd like to go back to any time that's not now. <laughs> so like uh so yeah, I'll definitely go with uh with two for that. So old school then. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Very good. So then let let's uh let's talk about Frank's question. I mean I know Gino in particular has a very has a has a great affinity for game soundtrack music, but I know in particular Castlevania. There's a lot of great themes in Castlevania, especially those early games. So, how about do you mind leading us off on this one, Gino? You have a favorite uh, soundtrack or maybe a favorite song you want to share with us? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, definitely. Again, you know, uh, I think uh, Simon's Quest does it best um, because you have. Just about everything in that game has been uh, reanimated uh, for everything else that came after it. So, like uh, Bloody Tears and um, specifically Bloody Tears. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would definitely say that that that's that's the best. Though I mean, you know, it's tough because I mean that's that's a really rudimentary score as compared to something like Symphony of the Night or Lords right. of Shadow. So uh, I don't know that you can even put them in the same category but um you know when i turn on my ipod the first thing i go to is simon's quest so that's what i'm gonna gonna stick with (laughs) how about you carlos i would agree you know it's a simon's quest and uh, curse of dracula but one of my favorites was um song called vampire killer that was one of my favorite songs but the overall composition of the those first two games were great had good music, kept you in flow with the game. You had a lot of fun. There's not one moment where you where you would stray off and get lost. It just kind of keeps you in sync while playing. That's how I enjoyed the game. Frank? Uh, so I'm going to say that Super Castlevania 4, it probably has my favorite soundtrack just because it's really ingrained in my mind. Uh, my favorite track out of all of the tracks is bloody tears just because of how iconic it really is. And, uh, I didn't realize how early in the series it was introduced. It was introduced in Simon's quest. Uh, I, I don't think they used it well because it's, it's just a regular stage track and considering how, how much that that song ascended in later games to where they use it, I think a little more appropriately for like bosses or at least uh, more story heavy, important parts. I I think uh, bloody tears really stands out. Vampire killer is a great track. 
Um, I think uh, Koji Garoshi's favorite track is Dracula's Castle, which is uh, the first hallway theme in Symphony of the Night. And I think that's a really great track, too. I think an underrated soundtrack is actually Castlevania Judgment because it has rearranged versions of a lot of those classic tracks, but they're done with, you know, full strings, uh, orchestra, electric guitars, you know, proper instruments. And, uh, you know, the, the 8-bit it is still cool, but I think even hearing like 16-bit versions or 32 or proper tracks of them really brings them to life because, uh, you know, some of those those tracks they they just get done so much better like heart of fire oof uh they they did a a redone one on harmony of despair which was an xbox live and psn online multiplayer one and hearing the redone version of it because it's it's also rearranged that that's a really awesome track that's redone and it doesn't even sound very much like the original so I don't know. This series has it's got two things that always stand out. One is the soundtracks and two is the subtitle for every game for like every single Castlevania that has a subtitle. They're cool as opposed to a lot of series, you know, where it's like vengeance or, you know, like uh, return. You know, it's just lazy. It's lazy. Like there are more words in the English language. Like, play with them. You know, you've got Portrait of Ruin. You've got Harmony of Dissonance. You've got Curse of Darkness. Like, there's more to the English language. Like, play with it. Lords of Shadow. <laughs> well, see, and that's, that's where it turns into garbage. I did, I did want to bring this. This is a the 18-disc uh, soundtrack collection. I bought this uh, a couple years ago. And this has got every single soundtrack, I think, up to minus Lords of Shadow. Um, I think it has, but that original timeline, it's got, like, even unreleased tracks. If you can find this, I suggest buying it, even if it's expensive, because this music is just that damn beautiful. That's really cool. Yeah, I think I have to agree with Frank that probably my favorite soundtrack does come from Super Castlevania Four. That's probably the one that sticks with me the most. And then a lot of those songs are the ones that get rearranged. Um, he brought up um, Castlevania Judgment, which is a uh, a non-canon 3D fighting game based on Castlevania characters. And then uh, we, we had played a tournament at your house, right, Mike? Yeah, that was a fun night. <laughs> Actually, that, that's a tournament I, that was a tournament I won. That was one of the few I won. I don't remember who I was playing as, though. Um, I mean, there was people who were just falling off the edge because it was weird to control. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that was true. George. Yeah, it was George. Uh, actually, as a matter of fact, uh, one of the f- things I won was a Simon Belmont eight-bit action figure, and I have yeah. it over there on my on my display stuff. So it was just funny because George was learning all the moves. He's like, "Oh, I'm doing this cool flip," and then he just like flipped to a ring out. It was funny. That was good times. That was good. Awesome. Great. Yeah. And then Mike, your opinion on the music? Uh for music wise, I really do enjoy that very first one. I uh when I went back and finally started to play that game, I just thought the beats were very catchy. Uh my favorite one, I don't know the title of the song, but it's stage two, I think. From the first Castlevania. 
And I, I wouldn't know how else to I think it's called Stalker, maybe. I don't know. I'm not too sure. I, I can't but, remember. Yeah. But I think it has like that bass beat that's uh, going for it. Oh, yeah, yeah. It starts off. It's all. Yeah. Dun, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I did that first one, so I like that one. So, so as an editing note, pause the video here and just insert the music so everyone knows. (laughs) I'll put Frank on loop for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Don't even put the actual music. Just put gameplay and have Frank do 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 do. do. Oh, it's going to be Yeah, it's just, uh, I love that original one. Because Symphony of Night, I can't really tell the difference between certain types of music because it just, it just felt natural playing the whole thing because that's one of my favorite ones. Uh, but with the original Castlevania, I, I, if I play it, I'll start, like, you know, humming the melodies in my head during the day. Mm. You know, like, it's, it's very catchy beats for that very original one. Yeah. Yeah, I think in general you're right that just... Most of those soundtracks, especially in the early games, really good. I mean, they've stood the test of time because they get reused. You, you don't find too many new tracks in the newer games. Um, mm-hmm. It's a lot of, like Frank said, remixes or rearrangements of those original tracks. And that's just a testament to how good they were. I do hate the night transition music, though. Like in Simon's Quest, I fucking hate that song. I hate it so much because it's, it's repetitive and it sounds goofy. Like that's it over and over, and it's just so annoying. I'm hearing the music in my head, and to me, it sounds like there's more to it than what you just said. So, well, I don't have, yeah, I can't do all the tracks. No, but can you do the can you do all of it? Oh, like the Castlevania acapella guy, yeah. Great. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's good. But you know what? To be fair, the day music is Bloody Tears. So how do you yeah. follow that up? Yeah, that that is true. That Bloody Tears is probably the single greatest song out of that all of the soundtrack. Um, so touching back on what Frank said about the uh, subtitles. So obviously the original Castlevania had no subtitle. We know Castlevania Two's Simon's Quest. Castlevania on the Game Boy. The first one was pretty lame. It was just the adventure. So. But a lot of Game Boy games didn't have great subtitles. Uh, Castlevania 3, Dracula's Curse. Uh, then there was the Game Boy version of Castlevania 2, Belmont's Revenge. So pretty simple there. Cast, Super Castlevania 4 had no subtitle. Uh, then you had Castlevania Chronicles. And then uh, Castlevania Rondo of Blood. Actually, I, I, I have no idea what that subtitle means, but I like it. Yeah, <laughs> like, I don't know who's Rondo. Well, Rondo yeah. is, is, is a, it's a musical term. It has to do with like a, a piece of... Uh, arrangement. I, I don't remember exactly why, but that's yeah, and, pretty much. And a lot of the themes are they use musical terms in a lot of the themes or a lot of the subtitles. I mean, we have uh, you know, you know, what we never talked about. We never talked about Castlevania Bloodlines. Did any of you guys ever play that on the Genesis? I have it. I, I did play a little bit of it. I've never yeah, played I it before. It. It's cool. It's a. Little, I think it's a little rough. I guess it's hard. I think it's a hard game, but yeah, I I never finished it. Um, I've only played a little bit on the uh, Castlevania collection. Uh, honestly, that, that's a very pretty game too, and mm-hmm. because it does have that Genesis soundtrack, like it's you know it's using that that soundboard. It's got an interesting take on some of the classic tracks in a good way, you know, because you don't hear 
you know, you, you're used to hearing the NES and SNES versions. And then when you hear that, I don't know, there's something about the Genesis sounds that it's, it's, it's like sharper because it, it's got like that twanginess in it. I don't know. I, I can't really. I, I kind of, well. I kind of put it in the way it's, it's kind of like when you put distortion on an electric guitar, sort of in a way it has that not well, too much, but like it has that little change to it where like a buzz feed sort of in a way. Not, not, not in a bad way, though, but... So I, I think if, if there's my, maybe a little more reverb on it, so mm-hmm. like that, not really an echo. I don't know. I, I, it's, it's really hard to explain with words as opposed to just, hey, listen to this track compared to this one. Yeah. But, so but after yeah. Bloodlines, and then there's uh, Dracula X, and then uh, Symphony of the Night, Castlevania Legends, well, that was on Game Boy. Okay, then here's where it starts getting good. Then you have Circle of the Moon, on Game Boy Advance, Harmony of Dissonance Game Boy Advance, Aria of Sorrow D- Game Boy Advance, Dawn of Sorrow DS, Portrait of Ruin DS, and then they released a mobile game called Order of Shadows, and then they have a DS game, uh, Order of Ecclesia, which was the last in that trilogy or in that series. Uh, then they redid the adventure the on the WiiWare store called the, the Adventure Rebirth. That's when they also did Contra Rebirth and was it Gradius Rebirth? I think it was Gradius. They had also did a Rebirth game. So there are remakes of those games. Um, that Xbox Live multiplayer one, uh, Harmony Despair. And then you have Lords of Shadow, Mirror Fate. Those are all the handheld ones. Uh, the 3D versions. So the original Castlevania 64 was actually just called Castlevania on N64. It wasn't called Castlevania 64. And then uh, you have Legacy of Darkness, Lament of Innocence on PS2, Curse of Darkness on PS2 uh judgment the fighter and that's where we end so they do have a lot of music inclined uh, subtitles and i mean it kind of makes sense with their um you know like we don't talk about it a lot i guess but magic is actually a really big part of the castlevania games especially in the the later versions like on game boy advance those that those two trilogies because you have characters who use primarily magic uh like the what is it? Is it Order of Ecclesia where it's the female character who's the lead in that one? Yeah, Shinoa. Yeah. And so it's, um, you know, I mean, a lot of the magic stuff has a lot of the terminology that relates to music. So obviously a big influence in, in, the, in the development of this Castlevania series, especially during that decade. So it's really interesting. Really good stuff. So I think we're good for tonight. Do um, you guys have anything to add before we close out? No, I mean, I, 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 I feel a little uh, sad that we didn't have a good representation for those handheld titles because yeah. I never played. I the only one I have is Order of Ecclesia, but I haven't even played it yet. And I heard that that's one of the best handheld ones, like actually one of the best games in the series. So I, it would have been nice to have that perspective for yeah. people who have played it. Yeah, I think- yeah, I've tried. I tried quite a bit of them on emulation, but I've never played enough to like have a strong opinion about them yet. Yeah. Well, see, now that I'm more familiar with the fact that they're they're very much in the in the vein of Metroidvania style games, I may just go back and play them for that reason. And I think a lot of the Game Boy Advance ones kept the Symphony of Night. All the stuff they added for Symphony of Night, mm-hmm. they brought them over to the Game Boy Advance ones. All those, uh, you know, gameplay mechanics and certain things like that. Right. 
So with that being said, uh, I'd like to thank all of you guys for coming tonight. Uh, Mikey, Mike, Mike B, thank you for hosting, co-hosting with me. Uh, Frank, <laughs> you did an excellent job, sir. Thank you. <laughs> well, well on your way to finally leading your own episode. Trust me. <laughs> um, Frank, thank you for bringing your expertise with the games you've had. Carlos, thank you for bringing your especially old school experiences with uh, with Castlevania. And Gino, as usual, thank you for bringing your goofiness along with your wealth of knowledge on just the entirety of the Castlevania lore. Um, he's still on mute. I don't know if he's going to pipe in and say something like he often does at the last minute. <laughs> I'm going to give him a second. Let's see. There he goes. You're unmuted. Nope, now you're muted again. <laughs> Now you're unmuted. Uh, I'm unmuted? Yeah, you're good now. Okay. Yeah. It was fun. <laughs> so enthusiastic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I, I really think we will have to revisit Castlevania later down the line once we've had time to uh, explore some of those other games. I know, uh, Carlos, if you guys will follow him on Twitch as uh, Toby Coon, I'll have that link in the description. And uh, But he plays a lot of old school games. Uh, he also has a YouTube channel. Your YouTube channel is Nicodemus? Or is it also yeah, Toby Coon? Okay. It's Nicodemus. Can I change it? So I'll, I'll have both those links for him because he also plays through some of those games. And I think after this conversation, he might want to revisit or look go look at some of those games that he hasn't played yet and maybe play them for you guys to check them out. I know I'm playing... Um, uh, we talked a little bit about um, Bloodstained. I'm playing... Uh, um, what's the t- subtitle for this Bloodstained? Ritual of the Night, and, uh, which is very good. And um, Mike B, you finished that one? Ritual of the Night? Or Bloodstained? But Bloodstained, I have not finished it. I got stuck on a boss and the frame rates would drop, so I just got frustrated. <laughs> which boss was it? Do you remember? Uh, that um, Jester with all the poker chips and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, you're having frame rate issues on that one? What are you yeah, playing it on? On the, PS- on the PS4. So I was going to try to download it for the PC on the Game Pass and try to go through it again. Yeah, but... that's what I'm playing it on, and I didn't have any issues with that boss. So hopefully... PS4, ooh, the frame rate was so bad, I, I couldn't avoid things, and I was like, ah, oh, this is BS. Like, you know? And I, I struggled with it for like for a whole week, so then I finally just gave up, and I was like, I'm not going to play on there. Well, Mike... I just want to do a, a shameless plug for... Uh... Uh, the NES soundtrack thing that I've got on the website. If you've got a minute and a, and, a, and 30 seconds, you can read through each one. <laughs> That's Actually, not... through the whole thing. They're, they're really short. It's not a shameless plug. We're, it's, our, it's our channel. It's our website. It's pretty shameless. <laughs> <laughs> Gino, Gino is posting a, a weekly article on his top 25 NES games and... Uh, there hasn't been a Castlevania one on there yet, but I'm sure one's coming. Um, but uh, we're at number 17, I think. So we still got a, a ways to go. But yeah, check them out. They're good. I'll, I'll also have the link to that in the in the description. Uh, Mike B streams on YouTube. And uh, recently he's been playing. Um, was it Halo you've been streaming? Yeah, Halo. Good, good. Because the Master Chief Collection on the PC. So that's just right. Checking them out. And then uh, uh, Frank and I have started working on unboxing videos. Um, The plan is to have one up here in the next week or two based on what we did. It depends on the time frame we have. But we got some good stuff coming, including uh, Bloodstained and uh, some other stuff down the line. So look forward to that. Uh, other than I definitely that, want to check out that Blasphemous you guys have been playing. I saw you playing that when you were, oh, when we were on Discord together. Blasphemous and I was like blown so away by, that, by the visuals, by watching you play. And I was like, that looks really cool. 
there there are three metroidvania style games i tell you guys that you have to play and not, not just you guys but the audience as well if you like metroidvania games hollow knight guacamelee uh particularly number one number two is really good but number one i think is still better and then blasphemous those are incredible games guacamelee is probably the easiest one to go into hollow knight and blasphemous are are much more demanding they're they're much more challenging but they are still excellent games um but with that being said thank you guys for coming out tonight thank you viewers for watching uh we love doing this we're having a blast doing this and i'm glad we can do it despite everything that's going on with the pandemic i have nothing more to add uh i think that's it for tonight so thank you guys we'll see you next time peace bye thanks for listening see you guys frank play us out with some Castlevania beats it was that bass <laughs> It was that bass. <laughs> Slapping the bass. I have no regrets in life. Break it down. Oh, my God. And we're out. Oh, that was funny. Gino, get some fucking headphones. Hey everyone, uh Mike B from OCP uh Gamers Podcast here. Um Today's episode is dedicated to our friend Carlos, uh, who was featured in the episode. Um, sadly enough, uh, as a group, we lost one of our greatest friends this past weekend as he passed away. Um, Carlos was one of the most amazing dudes, uh, nice and caring people that I ever met. Um, he was always there for me uh, anytime I was needed. I needed him. Um, at, my lowest times uh dude he loved old school video games he loved wrestling um uh obscure japanese movies um that he loved to share with us and we enjoyed um this uh episode is dedicated to him as he's featured in it none of this is coming out how i really want because there's so much i want to say and it's just really hard to I highly suggest everyone checks out his uh, YouTube channel and his videos because he's very entertaining, very fun to watch uh, as he enjoys playing old school retro games. Uh, this episode was very difficult to edit because I'm gonna miss you Carlos and I love you buddy. Hey guys, uh, I mean, what more is there to say about our, our good friend Carlos that hasn't already been said? Uh, I've been trying to think of something uh, beautiful or, or poetic to say, but um, just nothing came out right. So um, I'm just going to keep it simple. Um, Carlos, uh, we will miss your kindness and, and your generosity and your awesome Halloween costumes and, and your unique taste in movies and and your desire to make us all 
feel loved by you. Uh, you are dearly missed by us all, and and there there's always going to be a hole in our hearts without you to fill it. So, um, you know, goodbye, my friend, and and we love you. Hey, Toby, it's me. It's Miss I. Um, it's, it's not easy for me to say goodbye, but I know that you left us um, living a very fulfilled life, surrounded by people that love you and care about you. Um, I'm very thankful that you stayed in my stream after a raid one day, and you know, this was before I became affiliate, and um, you were always there. You know, this was when you were still Nicodemus lives. You hadn't started streaming yet, but you were there for all of my scary streams. Um, and just all around, like, such a good person. Um, you've always been so supportive. You know, that about you never changed. And not once have I ever felt like you had anything negative to say about anyone. And I think that a lot of people can learn something from how compassionate and caring and kind um, that you were. <sighs> it feels like when I want to say something, I just feel like I had all my thoughts gathered and now I can't even, <laughs> I can't even remember what I want to say. Um, but you know, I, I'm really going to miss you. I'm going to miss your streams, you know. It's, it, it was hard to not want to go see your streams after finding out that you had left us. Um, but it's a good reminder of how awesome you were. Um, all the retro videos you made. Um, just the knowledge you had uh, when it came to video games. And so um, I hope one of these days, you know, one of your suggestions to my tweet about scary games um, was Siren and I did watch you play that before and I actually did buy it when it went on sale months ago so I hope one day to play that for you and hope that you'll be able to watch me play um, Toby we're gonna miss you Don and I are going to miss you and we're going to forget all the good times that we've had, how you have been so inviting um, for, for me to play with you and your friends. So I hope that you continue to do as much entertaining up there in heaven um, for all the other folks. Um, Take care. I'm never going to forget you. Um, you impacted my life in more ways than you can imagine. I know that we never got a chance to meet in person, but I hope you do know that um, you changed my life for the better, and I'm never going to forget the kind of person that you are. Bye, Toby. I just want to say, um, Carlos is an amazing person. He was 
always showing us how to love unconditionally. Um, never looked at anything in a negative way and always looked at the positive things. And I'm grateful that I had the time that I had with him. And I'm grateful for all the movie nights he gave us, all the times we watched wrestling, all his streams, and all the times he stayed up with me and just talked about everything and anything. Um, he was always a good friend and he will be missed by everyone and there's nobody in the world that can replace such a wonderful soul like Carlos. I just want to say we miss you. We love you. And I'll treasure every memory with you. I love you, Carlos. Hey, Carlos, it's Bobby. So last thing we talked about, um, you're asking about whether I thought you would make a good father. I don't think I gave you quite the answer I, I had intended. Um, the obvious answer is yes. You, my friend, would have made a terrific father. And uh, you would have had some great kids, man. And it, it makes me sad that I'm living in a world where there's not gonna be any children that were raised by you. But I'm gonna make sure that at least I will treat my children with the same kind of kindness and love that I know that you would have. That is the best that I can do. And I know it's exactly what you would expect from me. So I love you, man. And I miss you. And I know someday, you know, on the flip side, man, I'm gonna catch you again. You know, you ain't gone forever and we're gonna make sure that you're never forgotten. And I know that's all you really want. I know you don't want us hanging on to any hurtful pain or anything here. That's why I'm still gonna be streaming because it's something we did together and it's something I'm gonna keep doing. We're gonna keep growing this community. We're gonna welcome in new people and we're gonna keep being good to each other because that more than anything is what the world needs. And I know some people say the world is a sadder place without you. That's why we gotta work harder to make sure we make it better. So again, man, I love you, I miss you, and uh, damn, would have been a damn fine father, Carlos. Love you, man. Oh, dale, wey, dale. Careful. Yeah. Whoa. 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 Take it easy. Con huevos, cabrón. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Two, three. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Carlos. Happy birthday to you. Ouch! Get up, Thomas. Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
に国境も男も女も関係ねえやっちまえ